Maverick News presents The Rick Walker Show Defrag Your Mind Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Maverick News Channel. Hello, people from all over the world. The world is watching, and welcome back, Maverick family, to murder investigations to talk about tonight. One in uh, Winnipeg, updating the murder investigation that we told you about there yesterday. We also will give you the latest information from Otterville, North Carolina, not far, not far from Raleigh where there was a, an apparent murder-suicide at a homeless encampment. We'll update the situation with the hostages and the, uh, the ceasefire, the truce, the pause between the uh, conflicting forces in the Israeli-Hamas war. And we'll talk about the state of the economy. Where tonight, following a raucous session in the House of Commons, many Canadians are skipping meals because of the rising price of everything, especially food. So stay with me. I'll be right back and we'll get things started on the other side of this. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals. defenders of individual rights and freedoms. Credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News. Maverick News. Defending free speech. Free speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow. Maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. So let's start things off with uh, the situation out in uh, Winnipeg, where police have confirmed a fourth person is dead following that shooting on Langside Street over the weekend. Investigators still have not made an arrest, but they say they do have a suspect who is considered dangerous. This all unfolded. Sunday morning in the 100 block of Langside Street, two people pronounced dead at the scene, a man and a woman, and three people were taken into hospital where they were in critical condition. Now, today, police have confirmed that two of the other victims have died, a man and a woman. 
and the names of the deceased have been released now. We're going to take you out to Winnipeg and update you with this video of the police news conference. Here we go. Okay, I guess we'll uh, get started. Um, first and foremost, thank you very much for uh, coming out today. Uh, obviously, we're going to be providing uh, an update with respect to uh, the ongoing homicide investigation on uh, Langside Street. Uh, and first and uh, foremost, I'll invite the uh, divisional commander of uh, major crimes, uh, Inspector Jennifer McKinney. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Jennifer McKinnon, the inspector of our major crimes division. I'm here to talk about a recent homicide that occurred over the weekend. Before I do that, I want to take this opportunity on behalf of the Winnipeg Police Service and myself to offer our sincere condolences to the family, friends, and all who knew the victims in this time of loss. This investigation is still in the early stages, but we do have some information that we are able to share with you today. On Sunday, November 26th, at about 4.05 a.m., general patrol members from across the city responded to the 100 block of Langside Street for the report of multiple people injured. Five individuals were located inside the residence with severe injuries consistent with gunshot wounds. Attending officers immediately started emergency first aid pending the arrival of paramedics. An adult male and an adult female were pronounced deceased at the scene. Three additional adult victims, two males and a female, were transported to hospital in critical condition where one of the male victims succumbed to his injuries shortly after arrival. The second adult female succumbed to her injuries early yesterday evening. The remaining 55-year-old male victim remains in critical condition. The deceased have been identified as Crystal Shannon Beardy, 34 years old. Stephanie Amanda Beardy, 33 years old. Melilek Lesery Lesakel, 29 years old, and Dylan Maxwell Lavely, 41 years old. Lake St. Martin has lost two of their members of their community. They are mourning the loss of sisters, Crystal and Stephanie. We've reached out to the family and leadership to offer community support. The homicide investigators were able to contact Melilek's family in Kenya and the U.S., they've been notified of his tragic passing. We've also been in touch with Dylan's family in Winnipeg, who are also really, who are also reeling from this terrible event. Our hearts go out to these families and the community. Our family support resource advocate and victim services workers will continue to support the families through this difficult time. We encourage others affected by this tragedy to seek out and access supports as well. The homicide unit continues to investigate, but we are requesting your help. 
anyone with video surveillance or information that may assist investigators is asked to call the homicide unit at 204-986-6508, Crime Stoppers at 204-786-TIPS, or online at winnipegcrimestoppers.org. Thank you for your time. I'll invite uh, Chief Danny Smike to uh, come up and say a few words. Good afternoon. Uh, first, I also want to acknowledge the, uh, the victims and their families. We will do everything that we can to discover why this happened and who was involved. Um, this is an extremely troubling event and it certainly has shocked the community. We also know that homicide investigations that have multiple victims cause great concern. And they cause fear in the community. And uh, our members will focus on identifying and apprehending the suspect responsible for the crime. That work has already commenced uh, with significant effort canvases in the neighborhood that occurred yesterday. Here's some of the other things we're doing in the short term to uh, aid the neighborhood. You will see a, a police presence in the Langside Broadway area. Our, our forensics people will be on scene uh, gathering evidence probably for the better part of the week. Our Central Division Community Support Unit and our Central Division uh, General Patrol Units will be vigilant and visible uh, as possible in that area. So we also know that Almost 20% of violent crimes are committed by people who are on bail or on probation. And uh, our Violent Offenders Unit will be working hard to apprehend offenders that have breached the conditions of their release. We don't know the suspect in this case, but, but that work is important as well. Our Guns and Gangs Unit will continue to work their files in an effort to assist the homicide uh, investigation. Uh, to date, over 500 Crime guns have been seized from the streets. Uh, last night alone, general patrol officers were involved in other serious calls that saw them arrest individuals and seize firearms. The firearms are distinct and uh, we'll be watching for evidence that could link any firearms we come into contact now or in the future with the homicide on the side. Finally, as Inspector McKinnon mentioned, we want to appeal to members of the public to bring forward information about anyone that they believe may have been involved uh, in this horrible crime. Historically, we know that tips and information from the public have helped us identify suspects and solve crimes. So someone knows about this crime as well. This is a, a dangerous offender in my view, and uh, you know we must do everything that we can to identify that person and take them into custody. So I think I'll leave it at there in terms of opening remarks. Certainly we're prepared to take uh, some questions. Chief, do you believe this is just one suspect you're looking for? We don't, uh, I, I don't have any uh, information on a suspect at all. We're still working on it. Uh, besides the two sisters, is there anything connecting all of these victims? You know, that, that'll be left to the investigators to determine who and, and why they were in the home together. Uh, so I don't, I don't have that. Were they in, in one unit, or can you describe, was this multiple units? Were they, things more of an it's, So it's, it's a, a multi-suite uh, dwelling, uh, and, and our understanding is they're all in one unit. Thank you. 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 Thank
Was there anyone else inside the home at the time this happened? Uh, again, it's a multi-suite dwelling, so there were other people in, in other dwellings. Was this a residence known to police previously? Yes. Is there any indication that um, potential for gang involvement or things to be drawn Certainly nothing that we're aware of that we can share with you right now. Chief, you spoke about it being, uh, there being some fear. I guess when there isn't a suspect known, five people have been shot, four people dead. What does that say to the community about safety and, and how they should be feeling right now when we don't have a suspect in custody? Well, I, I you know, our, our members do a pretty good job of following the leads and, and I expect that, uh, you know, there's a good chance they'll be successful here. What I say to the community about when things like that, I totally understand when, uh, you know, when we have events like this where there's multiple victims, how it would cause uh, fear and concern in the community. But I also remind people that most of us live in neighborhoods where we rarely have to deal with violent crime. And that hasn't changed. Uh, but when crimes like this do occur, I, I think we need to acknowledge that it does strike fear in the community. There are some neighborhoods in our in our city that uh, require additional help. And, and right now, I think uh, West Broadway is one of those neighborhoods right now, or at least part of West Broadway needs a little, uh, needs a little attention. Is it concerning to you to not know at this stage whether or not it was targeted and gang connections? I know it's early. No, it's not concerning to me. It's 24 hours. You know, our members will follow the investigation the way it goes, where it goes. Uh, you know, again, I have to emphasize early days here. So um, it, it, it's not like a television program. Like it, it's not going to be over in an hour. Is it the same perception that he was in charge with five-counter-housing damage property? I'm, I'm sorry, could you say that again? Is it the same Crystal Shannon that he was in charge in 2012 with five-counter-housing damage property? I don't know, but we can certainly follow up with you. Can you tell us which were the deceased at the scene so that we can distinguish between actually I, I don't actually know myself but uh, we'll certainly and maybe yourself or, or uh, the inspector can speak just a little bit about i know council nicholson spoke about this before but the gravity of having five people shot four homicides in one night same location uh not something we see often so we don't see multiple victim homicides very often uh but we do see them occasionally and, and uh, so this isn't this isn't uncharted, but it's still shocking nonetheless. And it, it's still uh, a heavy burden for, for our members who are the first responders on that. And, and you know, as is seen by the attention here, it's a shock to the community. Council, you said that forensic based training for actual leads. Can you talk a little bit about what they're having to go through? Well, simply put, it's a scene examination, but there are a lot of different phases to that. And it, it'll take a little bit of time for them to work through that. Uh, it could be up to a week. Now, you talked about an increased police presence in the area, but you seem to reference the forensic. Is it just the forensics that's increased, or will people in that area see more police on the, the ground? So they'll definitely see the forensics and the backup of forensics present on Langside for the, the balance of the week. Uh, I mentioned our community support officers and our general patrol. They're pretty vigilant about what's happened. So any additional time that they have, they'll be paying some uh, special attention to the to the area, to the neighborhood. Can you give us a picture of, of what was going on inside this suite 
I can't actually. That's part of the investigation. I don't even know what happened in the suite yet. Got to let the investigators do their thing. And do you know the shooter? Just one shooter? or multiple? Don't know. Don't know. Do you know then, um, did that person or did those people, did they arrive when the shooting happened? So you're asking a lot of details about the investigation. And I think we preface this whole thing is we're not in a position to tell you anything about the investigation while it's ongoing. Once we know that stuff, we'll be the first to tell you. Any concern about uh, perhaps overtaxing the homicide unit? I know they've also got two homicides that they're investigating last week. Now they need more, four more. Any concerns over or any plans to shift resources to the homicide? So I had an opportunity to spend some time with the homicide unit uh, yesterday, and uh, you know, remarkably, they're doing pretty well. Uh, you bring up a valid point, Glenn. That this is probably the 10th file that they've managed in November alone. Um, my concern, however, is it would shift to our frontline people. They're the ones that get there first. They're the ones that manage the witnesses and manage the victims. Um, they're the ones that uh, are doing the heavy lifting at the front end of this. Uh, this is fatiguing to our members and, and stressful, frankly. Uh, and let, let's keep in mind that they're also the same people that are dealing with all the protests that have been going on since October 7th as well. So we are taxing our frontline people pretty significantly. Steve, you spoke about the number of guns seized and, and obviously this is a gun involved homicide, homicides. Uh, can you speak just on the prevalence of guns and shootings and homicides this year? Is it worse than others? Are we seeing it worse than others? So, so I think uh, we, we've got the breakdown, can certainly give you the breakdown of gun related homicides. You don't have the figure in front of me. Um, you know, we were, gun violence was trending down across the city in every part of the city except the central division. So I, that's where these homicides occurred. So we know that that central division and in particular the West Broadway neighborhood needs a little extra attention right now. Um, overall, we were seeing things trend down, but violent crime in central division is trending up. So that's something we'll want to focus on in terms of Firearms itself, we can give you that breakdown. Um, you know, uh, Inspector Hall and his team there in guns and gangs and organized crime doing a tremendous job, uh, you know, trying to manage this. As I say, they've taken off over 500 crime guns this year alone. Just last night, General Patrol took off three crime guns. So, um, you know, we're, we're doing our best to address that. I believe it's 38 now. Were any of these victims um, known to police previously? Yes. Can you say which ones? All of them. Uh, you, you sort of touched on this, um, the impact on, on the front line. Um, but an incident like this, where they go into a scene like that, I can imagine it, it's quite traumatic and pretty chaotic at the time. Um, can you touch on that? Just just the impact of those officers who did respond and went into that unit or were helping people inside or outside. So I've, I've spoken about this in the past, and and you know this situation was no different. Our people often get there before paramedics and any other first line responders get there, and they're they're there to deal with the situation. We probably applied more tourniquets and suction bandages that have saved more lives than. Uh, uh, than I could even 
describe. Um, you know, it depends where a person is at in their career. At, at some point, you're going to experience something that you've never experienced before, and that has the potential to be stressful and traumatic. In other cases, we've had some members that they've been through this a few times, and, and, and they, they learn how to cope. You know, we had our wellness unit out uh, that night uh, just to touch base with our members. And as far as I can uh, report, uh, everyone's doing okay. We see this kind of term used in the States a lot, mass shooting. I mean, do you, does this sort of meet the definition of a mass shooting, would you say? Well, often mass shootings are in the context of an active shooter. This was not an active shooter in, in my view. Um, but it was a homicide with multiple victims. And, and so I, I guess we could nuance whether that was a, was a mass shooting or not. I mean, certainly four deaths and, and a fifth one that was wounded. Uh, that's a lot of people to be wounded or killed in, in, in one of them. Do you believe that this is an isolated incident? I mean, the shooter is still, shooter is still. I, I have nothing to suggest that it's an ongoing event. We, we have no other reports of any other violence uh, similar to this so uh, at this point we will focus on trying to identify this person obviously they've gone to ground right now but we'll try to take them into custody as soon as we can Jim, is there any indication that this person was in the suite with them prior like hanging out with them or don't know actually you know hopefully things like the forensic examination will give us a clue in the hours or, or days leading up to this have police been to this not, not as far as I know, uh, but but we've certainly been to that uh, dwelling before. How long ago? You know, my understanding is uh, that we've had occasional calls for service there over the last couple of years. You know, I, I'm not really sure, uh, but, but I know that the you know units have been working with the caretaker of that facility. Do you have any news about the man yesterday? Yeah, so as far as you know, he's still critical. Uh, he, he's under uh, you know, treatment uh, for a pretty serious uh, injury. Um, you know, at this point, we're, we're just hoping that he recovers. Is there any indication of where that person is from? Where their family might be? I, I think local. I know more information about him, like his name you released. You know, it's kind of not appropriate. I mean, he's, he's still very much alive. He's, he's in medical care. There's some privacy around that. Um, you know, once we get the opportunity to speak with him, then we may have other information that we can share. Is there anything to suggest that this incident is linked to any previous or recent incidents? Certainly don't have any indication of that right now. As you say, early days right now are... are our members are trying to piece things together. Okay, um, we'll uh, close it off there. If there are any other follow-up questions, as you all know, uh, you're welcome to. Okay, so that wraps that up. Now, out in Autryville, North Carolina, Sampson County, four people are dead following an apparent murder-suicide there. Uh, this incident coming to light now, and it happened Sunday morning at an Autryville area residence, according to the County Sheriff's Department. Investigation into the incident is continuing. Names are 
being withheld at the moment. Let me just see if they've got uh, anything new on that. I think that's the latest. So these were residents in an Autreville homeless encampment. They heard um, a verbal altercation. And we do have some information on names here now. The suspect is Dwayne Paul Miller, 40 years of age. He is accused of shooting three people multiple times. And he is dead. He then turned the gun on himself. So we have four people who have uh, passed away. All four, according to police, had been living in two tents in the homeless encampment, and they had been there for several weeks, according to the sheriff's department, who say that uh, one of the victims, 41-year-old Carrie Nicole Trample, had ongoing domestic violence issues that um, began in another state. At least that's what the preliminary investigation indicates from police tonight. The other victims are Daniel J. Wiltshire, 44 years of age, and Amber Ray King, 43, both of them from Autryville. Miller was from Marysville, Washington. It is not clear what the relationship between all of the people might be. The investigation is ongoing. Police are stressing that there appears to be no other apparent danger to the public. Now, Autryville is a very, very small town. It has a population of fewer than 200 people. It's located about 55 miles from the capital of North Carolina, Raleigh. All right, so that gets us to this point where we can move on to other news of the day. You know, Elon Musk went to Israel. Stay with me. We'll talk about that when we come back. Elon Musk went to visit the scene of the kibbutz massacre with Benjamin Netanyahu. Which uh, that incident, of course, happened back on October 7th. 
And Musk did this, of course, on the heels of being accused of anti-Semitic posts on X. So this is a significant development, and Musk was shown video um, of what happened while he was there. Here's uh, footage of him today. And he has indicated that he would actually like to help rebuild Gaza once the fighting is done. So I did not really see that coming, but there was today. So there was a video released today of Musk wearing a protective vest, taking photos, videos in the area where all those people were killed on October 7th. And he did make some comments. He said today that it was a jarring experience to visit the location. And more hostages were released today. And the ceasefire has been extended. So let me just bring this up. So Israel and Hamas have agreed to extend that temporary truce for an, addition, an additional two days. This is the, um, and this is going to happen on the fourth and last day. This was announced by Hamas and Qatari mediators today. Hamas will free another 20 women and children during the pause in fighting. The Pentagon's um, top spokesperson indicated today. Yesterday, Hamas released 17 hostages, including a four-year-old uh, girl, an American, Abigail Eden. In exchange, Israel released 39 Palestinian prisoners, all of them minors, that according to a Qatari spokesperson. Now, an extension with that, we could end up seeing more hostages released from Gaza in exchange for Palestinian prisoners and a halt in fighting. Israel is saying that it would extend the ceasefire by a day for every 10 additional hostages that are released. We also understand that uh, Israel is saying that it reached an agreement with Elon Musk to bring his SpaceX Starlink communications to the Gaza Strip. That uh, is what Reuters is reporting tonight. Musk has proposed using Starlink to support communication links in the areas of Gaza that have been uh, hit with a blackout. Aid trucks still flowing into the area, bringing food, water, 
medical supplies, and fuel. And to date, we have seen now, according to the figures released, more than 1.7 million people displaced in Gaza. And again, these numbers are being released by health officials controlled by Hamas, where they are saying that the death toll in Gaza has now surpassed 14,500 people. I do not know how accurate those numbers are. Could be more, could be fewer. I am not putting any trust in numbers released by either side at this point. I just It's just pretty clear that the fighting is taking a severe toll. So that is where we are at with that. Take another quick break. I shall return. Do not go away. The New World Order. Government Overreach. The Great Reset. Mainstream Media Lies. Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now at freedomreporters.com. That's freedomreporters.com. Maverick News. The antivirus program for your mind. Just when you thought it was safe to go back outside, the world goes crazy again. Nearly one in 10 new COVID-19 cases in the United States, according to mainstream media reports tonight, are from the BA.2.86 variant. This from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. This counts for what, 8%? Of all new cases. So this is what is being reported this evening. Among the handful of regions with enough specimens reported from la- from testing laboratories, BA.2.86's prevalence is uh, most prominent in the Northeast. 13.1% of cases in the New York and New Jersey areas are being attributed to BA.2.86. Whatever that means. Just a new strain, I guess. So what do we know about this one? Or what are they telling us? Um, Don't know. There is a WHO assessment on this new strain that says that it likely posed a low public health risk, adding that for now, the strain BA.2.86 does not appear to be um, driving the increase in infections in the U.S. Of course, we are moving into flu and cold season. In fact, we're there. The weather's turning colder. More people are staying inside. Respiratory illnesses just uh, naturally spread more quickly when people spend more time inside in closed environments. So since August, BA.2.86 
I guess, has gone through a broad variety of mutations, but did not appear to be enough for the strain to gain a foothold over XBB, whatever that is, another variant, and its descendants. So I know that we are seeing renewed reports of the illness. How widespread, how serious, we just aren't really sure. It doesn't seem to be generating the kind of response from the public or even the government this time around that <laughs> it did in, in the um, you know, during the first round of lockdowns and masking. So we'll see where it all goes. And we are still waiting to get more concrete information out of China about the mystery illness that is affecting children there, the pneumonia-like illness that affects the lungs of young people, but produces very little, if any, coughing. So it's a very serious thing, but so far it appears to be targeting mainly kids. Health officials seem to think that that is the result of an immunity gap of some kind that developed because of the severe lockdowns that China implemented during the first round of COVID. They took that zero COVID policy stance and strategy and employed that, locked all the kids down, kept them isolated. Now, because they're, they were not exposed to a variety of different viruses and bacterias, Health officials are saying that the immune systems of these young kids did not get a proper workout, and as a result, their immune systems are weakened, leaving them more vulnerable to different kinds of infections. And now we have this strange mystery illness that has put many young people in hospital over in China and is putting real stress on the healthcare system there. What else is going on that's putting stress on people? The economy, that's what. So today in Canada, in the House of Commons during question period, a couple of issues came up. The battery plant being constructed in Windsor, Ontario, uh, right at the Windsor-Detroit border, the battery plant there being constructed for um, Stellantis products, <coughs> excuse me, and billions of dollars of taxpayers' money being pumped into the construction of that facility. And now, of course, we're learning that workers from South Korea will be brought over to do a lot of the initial work and receive training at the expense of Canadian taxpayers who, whose money, because it's being pumped into the company and the facility, it's not being used just to build the facility, it's also going to be used to pay these workers from another country instead of paying Canadians to do the work here. So that came up in the House of Commons today, along with questions about the state of the economy and inflation. Pierre Polyev, leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, highlighting the fact that 
It is the situation is now so bad that some people are actually skipping meals because they simply can't afford to eat. And I can tell you from just correspondence over the past 24 hours with some people in our own Maverick family right here, our own community. I've, I had people just in the last 24 hours tell me that they're doing exactly that themselves, skipping meals because they cannot afford the food at the grocery store. Here's Pierre Polyev. Speaker, the prime minister is spending $44 billion to subsidize three battery plants $44 billion. That means $3 billion for each Canadian family. In Windsor, there will be 900 replacement workers, foreign workers, and in Monteregie, another group of hundreds of foreign workers. So can we see the contract for each plant to see how many, how much taxpayer money the Prime Minister is spending on foreign workers. The Honourable Minister of Industry. Mr. Speaker, I'd like to thank the opposition leader for the question. Canadians can see where Conservatives stand on this. When he was Employment Minister, it wasn't 3,000, it wasn't 30,000, it was 300,000 manufacturing jobs in Canada. Stellantis will be investing $3.4 billion to build the largest battery factory in North America. We are investing to uh, get jobs for Canadians. We will invest in Windsor. We will invest in the industry, and we will continue to work in our own workers, invest in our own workers. The Honourable Opposition Leader, he would be a good employment or labour minister for South Korea, Mr. Speaker, by the way the prime minister said there would be no consequences uh, from doubling the national debt but in the economic statement the government indicated that they'll be spending 52 billion dollars that's three thousand dollars per canadian family in debt service that's more being spent on debt service than on health why is the prime minister giving more money to bankers than to nurses the Honourable Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Finance. Mr. Speaker, Canada has the lowest debt and deficit of all G7 countries. And we have a AAA credit rating. At the same time, we do have an economic plan that is responsible, that will enable us to make the necessary investments in the Canadian economy. We're building housing faster than ever before, we're providing dental care. We're providing early childhood care. The Conservatives just want to cut, cut, cut. But we know we need to invest in the Canadian economy. Position. Feed Ontario, a coalition of food banks, released staggering numbers yesterday. 800,000 Ontarians went to the food bank six million times. This is a 36% increase, the biggest increase ever. If the total number of people who visited a food bank were a town, 
it would be the fourth biggest town in all of Ontario, Mr. Speaker. Will the Prime Minister therefore cancel his plan to quadruple the carbon tax on the farmers who feed us and pass common sense Conservative Bill 234 to carve out the tax for farmers? Yeah. Yeah. The Honourable Vice uh, Deputy Prime Minister and Mr. Finance. Mr. Speaker, we know that things are challenging for Canadians right now. That is why we are there for them, building more homes faster, providing dental care for children and seniors, cutting child care fees by 50% across the country. And you know what, Mr. Speaker, the only thing that Conservatives know how to do is cut, cut, cut. They would cut child care, dental care, housing. Mr. Speaker, that's not common sense. That is nonsense. The Honourable Leader of the Opposition. That minister and the Prime Minister have imposed brutal cuts on Canadian families who opened their fridges to find nothing there. The report out demonstrates that in all of the last seven years, Canadian, the Ontario Food Bank has gone up. And last year it went up by record amounts, 800,000 people went six million times to the food bank in this province. There's a bill before the Senate to take the carbon tax of the farmers who feed us rather than quadrupling it as the Prime Minister has said he will do. Will the Prime Minister stop interfering with the independence of the Senate and let the bill pass so that we can bring home affordable food? The Honourable Government House Leader. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Once again, the leader of the Conservatives is demonstrating this week that he just can't tell the truth to Canadians. So whether it's the Canada-Ukraine free trade agreement where there is no price on pollution, he can't tell the truth to Canadians what he is doing. Whether it is with regard to why he jumped to the conclusion that it was a terrorist attack, he can't tell the truth to Canadians. Whether it's with regards to misogynistic hashtags on YouTube, he can't tell the truth to Canadians. Mr. Speaker, we need to understand why he doesn't tell, trust Canadians. May I remind all members not to approach uh, the limit of what would be considered parliamentary and to stay far away from that. Uh, so that it is not impugned that a member is deliberately not telling the truth. The Honourable Leader of the Opposition. The truth is the Prime Minister wants to quadruple the carbon tax, including on our farmers. I have a farmer in my riding who's spending $10,000 a month, a month on carbon taxes alone. All of that is passed on to the consumer. The consequences have been a record number of Canadians relying on food banks. Seven million Canadians are going hungry. One in five are skipping meals regularly because they can't afford the price of food. Yeah. Will the Prime Minister get out of the way, stop interfering with the Senate, and let them pass common sense Conservative Bill C234 to take the tax off the farmers who feed us? Yeah. The Honourable Government House Leader. 
Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Just because the leader of the Conservatives says something does not make it true, as we saw in several times last week, whether it was with regards to how they voted on the Canada-Ukraine free trade agreement, perhaps why he blamed others for his mistakes when it came to how he jumped to a conclusion for a terrorist attack. And now what he's talking about with C-234, he knows that is patently false. And when it comes to food prices, that's because of the war in Ukraine and because of inflation. But Mr. Speaker, he cannot direct the Senate either. And unfortunately, his members are doing things that are threatening the democratic principles and rights of independent senators. That is shameful, Mr. Speaker. Honourable Member for La Prairie. Mr. Speaker, in the midst of the housing crisis, stats can reveal that in just one year, rents rose by. Mr. Speaker. The Honourable Member for La Prairie, could you start over from the, the beginning, please? Mr. Speaker, in the midst of the housing crisis, stats can reveal that in just one year, rents rose by 8.2%. Never before have rents risen faster than inflation. According to National Bank, the cause is unprecedented population growth. The chief economist says, unless Ottawa lowers its immigration quotas, we don't expect much relief for households. Mr. Speaker, National Bank is not anti-immigration. They're saying there's a problem. Will the federal government finally admit it instead of insulting people's intelligence when they talk about this? The Honourable Minister of Immigration. Mr. Speaker, the member opposite knows full well that Quebec controls its own immigration levels. And to assume that the rental increases are purely caused by immigration, that's a bit rich. But we do uh, think it's important to keep to take uh, account, to take into account uh, settlement capacity, and that's precisely what we're doing. Honourable Member for La Prairie, Mr. Speaker, if settlement capacity doesn't matter, then why stop at half a million? Why not two million? Why not ten million? But no, they stop at five hundred thousand. So you see, they're telling themselves there must be a limit. There is such a thing as capacity. But their target of 500,000 doesn't take housing into account. We also know they didn't consult Quebec, so they're not factoring in health, education, enculturation, and language training and infrastructure. So if their half a million isn't based on that, what is it based on? A Ouija board? The Honourable Member, the Honourable Minister of Immigration. Uh, it'd be nice to hear a serious question, Mr. Speaker. Uh, Let's have a serious question about immigration levels, Mr. Speaker. Member from Vancouver East. The housing crisis is escalating across the country. In Halifax. So we do have a serious problem, some theatrics going on there. But it did get a little bit heated, especially for the House. But we have a serious economic problem. Inflation is out of control. 
some people are having real trouble finding gainful employment. And the cost of housing is accelerating at an unprecedented level. We've got a serious problem. It's not just political grandstanding. It's real. It's out there. And people are hurting. The government deflecting and pretending it isn't as bad as it really is, is doing a real disservice to the people. Justin Trudeau's days are numbered. From this, I don't think he will be able to recover. We'll see. We still have until probably the middle of next summer or next fall before we have an election. And I know that there is a petition on um, online run through a government website where people can sign online and throw their support behind a call for a non-confidence vote. So that is out there, but I don't know. I really don't think it will carry much weight at the end of the day. It won't be that petition on its own that results in a vote of confidence, possibly resulting in a vote of non-confidence. But again, time will tell. Time will tell. That gets us to almost almost seven o'clock. And just because everything has kind of gone sideways in the world, let me just... Uh, let me take a quick break and we'll come back and I'm going to show you something that'll make you smile. The sharing of biased and false, false news has become, become all too common on, on social, social media. media. More alarming in an ocean of lies a century deep, the truth awaits. Choose not the red pill. Choose not the blue pill. For both are an illusion. Discover the power of M. The power of individuality. We are mavericks. We are the way to the light. Fear not the storm. Join our quest for truth. Truth will set you free. Maverick News. The world is watching. Okay, so short broadcast tonight. Um, I, I just need some time to do some production work here. Take care of some uh, some technical things behind the scenes to keep this show on the rails night after night. So I'm just going to uh, sign off a bit early this evening so that I can actually do some other work related to the show.
that needs to be done. But before I go, I thought I'd leave you with something that might make you smile. I think we need a little more of that these days, especially tonight. So I share this with you. I don't know what the heck that is. One more time. That poor little guy. Got stuff, something stuck to his paws. <laughs> Somebody will help him out. I should shoot video of my dog when I take him for a walk. He, uh, he tackles me from behind. And I'm sure that all my neighbors must think that he's the worst trained dog ever, which may well be true, <laughs> but I don't care. I don't care. I like it. <laughs> I like it. So I will be back tomorrow night, folks, at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thanks, everybody, for spending the past hour with me here on the Maverick News Channel, where we have the antivirus programs for your mind. Catch you on the flip side. This has been a Maverick Multimedia Productions.